Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Oscar fans. We are chatting with the dean of Oscarologists. Jack Matthews, uh, who has tracked the Oscars for – take it away, Jack. Uh, give oh. us that press of resume. <laughs> I'm going to date myself real quickly. Well, I've, you know, I've always been interested in the Oscars, but I've, I got involved in predicting back in uh, – uh, right around 1970. No, earlier, 1968, 69, because – Nobody was to, doing it back then. No, it was – it was a – this shows you what, what the time difference between then and now. I was working for a newspaper in Riverside, California. I was uh, uh, a sports writer, and but I liked movies, and so they'd let me review a movie now and then. And using those clips, I managed to get credentialed at the Oscars <laughs> for '69, I believe it was the year that that Catherine Hepburn and um, Streisand tied for Best Actress. Yeah. And I went there with a friend. I got credential in plus one. And um, we both arrived there in shock because everybody was wearing tuxedos, even in the press room. And I had I had a brown suit on. And he had a blue blazer and gray slacks. <laughs> and we tried to hide in the back of the room for the throughout the press conferences. But our eyes popped open when Streisand came in with that see-through pantsuit. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, I've been predicting them back in then. I and I always did pretty well predicting. I always beat, beat my friends and. And so when I got an opportunity to actually start covering Hollywood in the late 70s and be there all the time where the Oscars sort of became my second skin, you know, I just did everything with the Oscars. But I was at the USA Today and then at the LA Times. And I, it it was, you know, there was, Oscars were very important to everybody and we had to get up at 5.30 on nominations morning and go to the Academy and do all that horse and pony show stuff. And, a dog and pony. Anyway, um, but there wasn't there a lot of that many people. You were one of the rare uh, journalists who would um, dabble in dabble in it every now and then. Um, Patrick Goldstein at the LA Times would do it uh, now and then, but in some others, but it would, or Kenny Turan. But it would be closer to the Oscars itself that they would do that. You understood this as a uh, as a race to cover uh, as. A, uh, something fascinating all along. And I wrote, uh, to those of you listening to this podcast, I wrote uh, a book on movie awards for Variety years ago. And as I went through the years uh, of Oscar coverage and I would sit in the basement of L.A. County Library going through the microfilm of, of the 
L.A. Mirror and the Herald Examiner and the L.A. Times and all the newspapers, there was uh, Jack Matthews <laughs> covering this thing and caring about the prognostication in a way that few others did. And then when Gold Derby launched, uh, Jack was uh, on that team with us uh, to, to launch this thing 20 years ago, Jack. It's our 20th anniversary this year. <laughs> we had Pete and Ann Thompson and Dave Carger and Dave Germain and uh, folks like that. Yeah, that's right. Well, we do, and I, I think we had meetings. I remember we were in a, some bar somewhere in New York, and you and yes. Selma yes. and I, and maybe that was before you started Gold Derby. But I uh, think that was, and that's right after I recruited you guys. Uh, you were the one who introduced me to Selma at the New York Film Critics event, saying, hey, you should have Selma do this, too. That's right. It was before we had even launched, and so I invited Selma, who I'd never met before, and she just turned to me and goes, sure, why not? <laughs> oh, Gene Seymour, of course. Yeah, and then Gene, that's right. We had Gene the first year at Newsday. That's true. And he, we recruited him that year as well. Yeah, that right. was wonderful. That was fun. But, you know, um, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was it. So um, sizing up this year, um, 1917 versus Parasite for Best Picture, um, what's your take? Well, I you know I know that everybody sees it between those two, and I I it may be my hardest something for me on this one. I think thinking I still love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I think it has I do think it still has a chance to win. Um, but I you know I just watched 1917 again, and it's such an Oscar movie. Um, just big and and uh, complicated, but made simple. You know what I mean? I was watching how that tr- those tracking shots. You can see where there are cuts. If you're looking for them. But if you're. Oh, what? The first time I watched the movie, I didn't see those cuts, and I just go, my jaw dropped. Now, some critics have had a problem with that because they are so aware of the technique, uh, you know, what's going on, how the camera movement's working and all everything, and, and it distracts them. But most people don't pay any attention to that. They take the movie as a, as a total, you know, as a whole, and it sort of just scoots you right through all those. Foxholes and trenches and craters. It's really amazing. Um, so I have to think 1917, you know, it's got the most Oscar uh, values to it, I think. And also, the, you know, I had sound, I, I didn't get into the technical categories, but I always remember when, the, when I first started in Hollywood working for the Detroit Free Press, I, I, I spent like six weeks on the set of Annie with John Houston. And I mm-hmm. I did individual articles on every category, you know, a cinematographer and a sound editor, and then really what to see what the sound editor does. And when you see what they do, usually they're ensconced behind a, a bunch of technical equipment with headphones on, and then you got the boomer people out there with the boom mics and so forth. So I was watching 1917 and saying, my God, how did what the sound editor? How did he get this? You know, it's one thing to have a, you know, you've got a, a steady cam moving in front of them and moving around them and, and all that. You understand that. But where was the sound editor and how were they capturing oh, that sound? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I think, uh, you know, I, I would think that would be the one that would win for sound editing, even though I, you know, probably Ford versus Ferrari's got a lot of people's attention because of all the noise. So uh, who knows there? But uh, anyway, I think I think Parasite's going to, you know, I, because it's going to win the international film, I think it's a stretch to think it's going to win Best Picture. Um, 
for the for the obvious reason that happened to Roma last year, and I was one of those who picked Roma to win. And then in retrospect, it was so obvious that you know they you know it was going to people would say, okay, got it over here. Got it. I think that's kind of human nature to do that. And uh, so I, I I just think 1917 right now is in front seat, but I don't rule out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, well, it was just two weeks ago and two or three days that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won the Critics' Choice Award, and a lot of us Oscarologists were at that ceremony. Oh, this this race is over now. <laughs> uh, of course, um, 1917 did so well with the with DGA and PGA, and um, it's likely going to sweep the BAFTAs this weekend. Uh, oh yeah. On the other hand, BAFTA hasn't been right about Best Picture at the Oscars since 12 years ago. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of you – know, as you look at the trajectory of, of 1917, you could say, well, that's this year's La La Land. Look, it won the Globe, but won DGA, PGA, and Moonlight ended up prevailing on Oscar night. And, and that happened because Moonlight just had this passion vote, which La La Land had when it was first seen in Hollywood in late uh, you know, November and December – but uh, Moonlight was a later discovery by Oscar voters, and it, it just won their hearts over. And I, I think, right. including, by the way, the title alone, you know, Moonlight and all of it. Um, and, and that was the story for Spotlight versus Revenant. Um, there was a presumption, oh, Revenant got it. And, and then um, the Oscar voters would lean into you at, a, at an event and tell you <laughs> their secret, which is, oh, but I love Spotlight. And I yeah. remember that year of Revenant versus Spotlight. I ran back to the office after one event. So I just can't take this anymore. And it was three or four days before the Oscars. And I just switched to Spotlight. Screw the consensus. And, of course, nailed it. That was one of these years of the preferential ballot. My problem with with this race this year of those two front runners is that Parasite is divisive. It, 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 I could see a lot of people who don't connect with it emotionally uh, ranking it, you know, sixth or seventh. But 1917 is so beloved and respected, it's almost inevitably in your top three someplace. And that's basically how Green Book won last year. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, you, you, the passion, though. The passion, and I, I was thinking about this before, that uh, the year of Silence of the Lambs, uh, you know, everything about it said no Oscar, right? It's a horror movie. And, uh, you know, how are they ever going to vote for a horror movie? Well, every screening you went to, I, I happen to be teaching a, had a graduate course at uh, UCLA that year, <clears throat> and I happened, and I, they gave me an early print of uh, of Silence of the Lambs, and I showed it to an audience. And so I'm going to make a connection there to Parasite. When I'm, the Oscars that year, uh, so they got <clears throat> Anthony Hopkins. When I saw that performance, as it, most everybody did, we just go to Wow, what was that? That amazing performance. They got down there, and I was, I happened to call Ann Thompson as a source. To ask her what she thought was going to win these categories that year, and she's and I said I think uh, Anthony Hopkins is going to win for Best Actor, and she said No, no, I guarantee you, it's going to be Nick Nolte from The Prince of Tides. So I switched <laughs> my I switched my vote, and oh, then and I was, so I happened to be in the audience that night. I actually got invited to be in the audience for that Academy Award year, in the year that Jack Palance did his one arm push-ups, and and when they were calling out that Best Actor thing, I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I wish I had picked Anthony Hopkins. And then when I called his name out, I was thrilled. I thought he should yeah. have won. And um, so that's the way I think about Parasite. 
you know, there's a passion for that movie, and it's also uh, it turn, you say divisive, but I think it turns off more women than men, and for the because of the violence. And yeah. same thing with Silence of the Lambs. I had w- w- women walking out of that screening, and yeah. uh, <clears throat> so I think overall, this you know, just the, you see the applause that the that that cast got at SAG, and he, there's such a passion for thought that this this is the movie that. 2019 will be remembered for, and yeah. a lot of people. And it's different from it. Roma. Roma was was to be admired, and it and it, it did have an emotional connection to the to all of us who were watching it, but it didn't have that um, that passionate response. That no, it, it didn't. You're right, and I, you know, in retrospect, again, it's a very uh, literary piece, and uh, like a a good book that you read slowly. And Parasite is just like a page turner that clocks you in the head every other uh, minute. It's just a wonderful film. So what but happens again, in that screenplay category where we've got Parasite versus Quentin Tarantino in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Quentin won um, the Globe. He won Sa- um, uh, Critics' Choice. Those screenplay categories wasn't eligible at DG, uh, WGA, uh, but he's won twice in – the screenplay categories at the Oscars. He's the um, he's not going to win director this year. He's overdue in that race. But there's this appeal he has as the darling bad boy of Hollywood. And we got a couple of those this year. We've got Joaquin Phoenix as a, as a longtime bad boy who it's all forgiven if you um, are pure of heart. You know, if you're not Russell Crowe in a rage. <laughs> Uh, I think he was dinged for his behavior at the Academy uh, early on. I mean, after he had his honeymoon period, I'm talking about Russell Crowe here, uh, I I think it finally caught up with him in in the case of Master and Commander, which had, what, uh, 10 or 11 nominations, and everybody got nominated except the Master and Commander. (laughs) And I don't think Russell's been nominated since. But um, the uh, – Quentin is different, and – He's the rebel and the maverick and the bohemian. And so that's very appealing to the Oscar voters, and he's one of them. But yet, and it's also a consolation prize if you only give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the Supporting Actor Award for Brad. But what you just said about Parasite is it it is literary in the sense that you're actually reading this movie. Mm-hmm. And either that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it's foreign language in a screenplay category. Uh Pedro Almodovar has won there uh, for talk to her in Spanish language, but right. so you can you can win there for a foreign language movie, but stats often stack against you. Yeah, I think that the category, like many of the categories this year, what an incredible year, are uh, is very very difficult to call. And I I'm going to, at the moment I'm with with uh, Tarantino, but. Uh, I could see why people would look at that and they'd think about the story uh, instead of the dialogue. You know, with Tarantino, everything you're thinking about is dialogue. And, um, and Parasite is so much of a story that draws you in and changes and is, uh, is unpredictable and all the way through. Those things are, they catch, you just catch your eye as good writing. But uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, is, is, it's not like it's faded off the map out there. As Oscar, I think it's very high up, and that's why I think it has a chance at Best Picture, because I, I just talk yeah. one, two, three, I think it's going to be on most people's list in one of those spots. 
and uh, and they want to give him something, and I think they're going to be, you know, they, the collective day, but um, many of them will look at uh, the race as it stands and think it's best picture, it's not going to win best picture, not going to win best director, so here's the place where you can make a personal uh, vote for him, and thinking Parasite's already got an Oscar locked up for the international, whether that's enough for that movie or not. So, yeah, that's what I, you know, that category. But I look at, you know, here's a category that that has me befuddled is film editing. Now, film editing yeah. is usually a real tip-off for the evening. And 1917 is not there. You know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not there. Uh, Parasite is. And, you know, and so you think about the kind of editing. Ford, Ford Ferrari is there, and, you know, that's got a lot of, a lot of real crafty editing going on in it. It's stylish editing, stuff that you'd notice. You know, I used to think yeah. film editing was the easy, one of the easiest categories to protect because you get to that year and you close your eyes and you think about the, the scenes in it, like uh, Chorus Line. It opened with, you know, uh, edited with like 20 different women spinning in the stage and they and it just kept the spinning going and the actors kept changing. And I thought, wow, that's <laughs> there's a film editing award. And... Uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of those. So I think, you know, in this case, you look at it and you think, okay, all those cars and cutting back and forth inside and outside. Yeah. and So it could very well win that category. But uh, so now, if it did, you know, it's not going to win Best Picture. So that would you mean your best – your winning Best Picture is not going to have an editing award, and that's strange. <laughs> no, but that happened with Birdman. That was – it, um, it was nominated for film editing, and probably for the same reason, a long, continuous shot uh, such a novel idea at the time, and it may have been penalized there, but it certainly didn't hurt it in the best picture race. No, no, yeah, you're right, and uh, so there's, that's a good, uh, good parallel. But <clears throat> I don't know why they wouldn't nominate, uh, wouldn't have nominated 1917 for film editing. I, I mean, it wasn't easy to, st- you know, to stage those moments where you can cut and then make it look seamless. I mean, I was watching them and thinking, okay, there's one where in the beginning they have the long walk down through all those foxhole those trenches all the way into the little room with uh, to get their marching orders. And when they're coming out of that room, it's dark, and they go walk through a little space there, and it gets mm-hmm. completely dark. And that's I know that's where the cut is because then, they, then the camera follows them outside. So that's, shit, that's good editing. I don't know why it wouldn't get nominated, but... Uh, well, I was punishing it for that, I guess. But so, yeah. I, I, well, I can, you know, I'm still going to go with 1917, at least at the, for the moment. Uh, so, picture. But I, yeah. now, I'm holding right. on stuff to Parasite. And, um, I, 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 I'm just doing it, and I'm giving Sam Mendes director, which is illogical. But directing and picture have split five of the last seven years, and I think that. The argument for Mendez winning there, even if you're on this parasite bandwagon, uh, and I think is that Mendez delivered the the technical achievement, which is the argument for Alfonso Cuarón winning for Gravity and and Ang Lee winning for Life of Pi when they did not win for Picture, and I think that this is such a directorial achievement, 1917, and a magnificent film. It's, it's in my top two. Um, I would say my top three for the year with, with Parasite and Jojo Rabbit and 1917. These are three movies that I just not only 
you know, admire and, and love, but I really love. I'm emotionally invested in those movies. <laughs> and Judy. I'm not a, I just, yeah. I'm an old Judy <laughs> queen, and, and, and I think the movie was, 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 um, underrated. But what movies, uh, switch from your, take your prediction cap off for a minute, Jack, and say, just tell us what movies did you, are you personally invested in as a film watcher? You know, I was going to say a minute ago that it's just a great year, surprisingly to me, because I've, I've come not to expect that much. <clears throat> and ever since they've gone to this top ten, I know we disagree about this, but when they've gone and spread that, this picture ballot out, it's it's watered it down for me, but emotionally. But this year, there, every movie on there deserves to be, and uh, and I like them all. I mean, well, I, I'll qualify that. I, I did not care for Jojo Rabbit, and I, Little Women was oh. not for me. But mm-hmm. uh, I love all the others. And so my top, I guess my very favorite is still Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And partly mm-hmm. because that's my that's my Hollywood, you know. And I was lived, I lived there and went to movies on Hollywood Boulevard and in the late 60s and all that. So I all of those types of plus I went to UCLA and and the Bruin Theater, which they kind of they redressed to be look like it did back then. Uh, so it was right down the street from from Westwood or from uh, UCLA campus and used to go down there all the time. And then went to a lot of, as you did, went to a lot of movie premieres there over the years. So that just felt like my my territory, and I loved it for that. Um, and that's the demo of a lot of Oscar voters. Um, and I, I'm, I'm 65 years old. I'm a veteran of this town, working uh, in media as a journalist. And I had the same experience watching that movie. That's my Hollywood. I remember that hot dog stand. I, you mm-hmm. know, remember when, when um, this and that. And so um, that personal investment in this movie that is big and sprawling and beautiful and packed with stars and um, made me believe that it was the front runner early on. But this this weird thing that happened this year where we we early on at Gold Derby the experts were saying this is all a race between Hollywood and Irishmen, and right. then boom everything changed. Yeah. Well, yeah, for a long time it was Irishman, uh, Hollywood, and Marriage Story. And all yeah, of a sudden, the yeah, Marriage Story got sort of shunted aside. And, and the Irishman, uh, you know, it seems we haven't even brought it up yet. And it was the, it was the movie for everybody. It had this yeah. for, you know, reviews were, yeah, like 95 on the Metascore. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, it, it, but where did it go? I, I think it's time, it, you know, I would, in a perfect world, I would like to have had Scorsese break that up in about a six-part miniseries because he had all these wonderful characters. You yeah. know, it would it would have been a brilliant series. At a, but almost four hours as a movie, it's you know it it's too much it's in one sitting in a you know without a lot of going on. So it was more his one of his most passive uh, mob movies, and I think people you know that and the Netflix thing that. Uh, way against it. In fact, it wasn't seen on a big screen, not even by people. You know, Academy voters, I'm sure, all watched it on Netflix. But now, yeah, the, the director category, back to that for a minute. I know you like uh, Mendez in that spot, and you give good reasons for it, but <clears throat> I think of that spot as the place where Parasite gets its due. And uh, really? the only place where they can really go for it if they don't go for Best Picture, and I think that's Odds are against that, uh, but here's they say that this thing 
you know, this is the, the, the bong is the is the reason it exists. He's a writer and a director, and if you just love that movie, you got to love him. And where else? It deserves more than the international award, which is you know yeah. like the animation feature that took away from you know Disney's fun. And uh, so that's it. That's my spot. I'm going to stick with him. There, I may be totally wrong. I could see Mendes winning, obviously, because of the because it's a you know that's a great achievement um, pulling that thing together. But what I like about your bong prediction is uh, it is certainly consistent with recent winners that have, for the most part, been foreign-born. You know, the Inaritus, the uh, Qualones, and um, uh, the Three Amigos and stuff. They they have dominated this race, but those are, you know, uh, you know either from Latin America or from Britain, um, and you know, from our, our, our orbit. It's not this Asian culture thing, which might throw some people. But that said, I think it's, they're very, very welcoming in this category when choosing a winner to... Um, to embrace the foreign-born directors as as uh, you know synonyms of a of a, uh, a worthy accomplishment here, and the uh, um, it's politically the right choice too. Um, it's it's the academy's trying so hard to be more international and more welcoming with diversity, and they keep failing um, uh, miserably as they did this year with the nomination list. It's a disgrace in terms of gender balance and um, uh, racial balance they don't even they couldn't even be bothered the uh, uh, the actors branch to look up the spellings of the names of the parasite oh. actors on the reminder list in order oh. to put them on the nominee list and so um, they were excluded from there and 1917 is not nominated because they didn't know those actors and there's a laziness here but uh, certainly at least the actors in 1917 are white and male uh, and academy friendly but yeah. the exclusion of the parasite actors, I think, is outrageous considering the performances are so memorable. And um, it would have entailed, though, them them having to take those those voters' names off the reminder list, put them on the ballot. And I think they just didn't know which name was which star. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think your analysis is spot on. I can't, uh, you know, the, the, especially the the patriarch of the of the basement family they were i mean that guy was fantastic in it and and well you could so was the woman who played the maid who you know ended up with, with her husband was in the basement um in the bunker yeah, she could have, that. i think if she had been nominated i think she could have won and i think on the on, and the father uh the chauffeur had a shot too if they had been nominated but uh it's outrageous and i think it's a sag awards the same thing. They were shut out for those individual performance awards, but it was nominated for right. for ensemble, and so they they um, they gave it that award, and then gave it this roaring standing ovation to pat themselves on the back that they made the right choice and were culturally and internationally diverse. Uh, and so I, I think there was something a little disingenuous about that. The the um, the huge heartwarming response that Parasite got there, uh, and yeah. I. And while watching it, I thought, well, shame on you for not nominating the actors. Yeah, it's great that it's winning here and certainly deserves to win. But uh, for crying out loud, you know, this is unforgivable that the SAG and the Oscars both snubbed all those those actors. And it could end up being, as you say, the movie that is most remembered from this year in terms of um, 
winners. Yeah, I think it's you know it, it's there's a lot of things going on there, but you're right about the analysis of the of the not just that they can't spell the names, it's that they think they've never seen them before, they may never see them again. Yeah, and yeah. so there, it's not like uh, you know this is somebody that you know that came out of nowhere and gave a great performance. This is just complete strangers, and yeah. to them, and yeah, it it would be difficult. You have to, you know, just in our conversation right now, neither we can, we're just using their characters instead of the names of the actors, and we would have to right, go right. study That's those. We're guilty of it here ourselves. And so it's uh, you know. Bad. I, it's understandable, even though I, it's a shame. I think it is understandable how these people are busy. They're filling out that ballot much quicker than than, than you and I are, are. and uh, so they uh, don't bother to look it up, as you say, and move on. But I don't think that means anything in terms of the film's chances. And no, it's just uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a it's really the most unusual movie that we've seen in a long time. Unusual in the sense that it's, that it works, it's accessible, it's, it has its themes and meaning and social commentary and contemporary. It's got every element of a great movie. Whereas 1917 is a superb period piece with, uh, yeah. you know, brilliant choreography. I mean, you know, the cinematography award there, you know, that, that that's a slam dunk for 1917. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the four acting races, is there a chance at all for an upset? Well, I, you know, you and I have <laughs> this a disagreement about Judy. Um, and I, it's not that I don't think she gives a great performance in it. If my problem is nobody likes that. Nobody I know who's seen that movie likes it. <laughs> and, I mean, then I've seen a couple who said they'd walked out. It's just the movie is so dark. And, it, you know, once you get past the fact that she's doing a, a great impression, um, it's why are you here? What, what, you know, why? Are you, I'd much rather, I don't know, you know, it's like a lot of people in the, in the academy certainly remember the, remember Judy and they remember the good Judy. You know, they can remember yeah. the sad Judy too, but they don't want to be reminded of the sad Judy. And, uh, you know, they want to, the story about her being abused by Louis V. Mayer and all that is very potent and profound and that in itself would be fine if she overcame that. In, I'm just right. talking about a story sense now, not biography. If, and if that was what the movie was about, how she overcame these things, but it's how she is, she's victimized by it all the way to her death, basically. Yeah. It's dark. It's a dark movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you oh, I'm sorry, I'd answer your question. I think, yeah. Scarlet, or? I think, yeah, I think Scarlet has the, you know, because she's double nominated, because it just seems to be her year in many ways. Um, I could see her being. I think the Scarlet thing could pop up for JoJo Rabbit. Look how JoJo is doing so well at yeah. the Guild Awards, but so underestimated from after winning it at Toronto at the Tip Award is often so telling, of course. And um, it's just won at the Casting Awards last night, and, and it won at editing and uh, or whatever it won the other day. And it was just it keeps surprising us. So um, yeah. I think that if there's a upset, it comes in supporting actress. For, for Scarlet there, yeah. because it's a JoJo vote, it's a consolation prize um, for not giving it best, giving her best actress. And um, are you I picking, agree that they, are you picking her win? I mean, I think uh, you know, I think that's a good chance Scarlet could upset her there. But it just seems like everybody loves Laura Dern right now. When you look I at know. those 
you look at those people that, that seem to have the locks on the four, uh, four acting categories, you got Joaquin Phoenix, who most people probably don't like, but he gives such an amazing performance, it's hard to punish him for it. But, but <laughs> they do punish if they don't like him. It's what two years ago, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, everybody thought they were, he was going to win supporting actor. Um, sure. It was three or four years ago now, I guess. But uh, I don't. I just remember people don't like him in Hollywood, and like mm-hmm. it's personal. So he made all these mm-hmm. bad movies, and now he's going to re- redeem himself by having one good performance in a movie most of them wouldn't bother to see. I mean, Rocky, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Uh, and so anyway, here we go with this time. But I think. And he has not done himself any favors, you know. He, nobody likes to see him get up on the stage. <laughs> Don't know what he's going to do, but it's not going to be very good. Yeah. And uh, so, the, you know, but I still don't think there's a chance of an upset there. Um, Laura Dern could be upset, and Brad Pitt has got the lock. He's been perfect yeah. throughout this process. So mm-hmm. I think I think uh, Judy is, I mean, uh, Renee is the most vulnerable of those four, and in which case. But... You know, but down to on the other hand, there's not another really strong. I mean, Scarlett Johansson's great in that movie. Three, uh, Shirley Theron is terrific in Bombshell. Saoirse Ronan. There's so they're terrific, some terrific performances, but none of them rise to the level like Olivia Coleman upsetting. Yeah. Glenn Close last yeah. year. I mean, yeah. that performance. Everybody was in awe of the performance. Mm-hmm. But I don't. There's not that. You don't feel that way for any of these other performances in uh, in that category, right? Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Jack? Uh, the... Well, I think this is going to be more fun than <laughs> than uh, we've had in a long time because I, you know, it's it's so much more fun to have a year like this where there's so many undis- mm-hmm. impossible to uh, you know to set up or in rank and everything um and that makes it more fun to watch on the other hand you know we're invested we all want to win this oscar game and Mm -hmm. so you you know you see you make your picks and the thing i've always said is you have to at the last minute you have to say am i making this pick because i love this (laughs) candidate or because i think it'll win because i you know there's two or three categories every year where my heart takes me in a wrong direction and uh but you know, but there's no, there's no, nobody's going to win seven or eight Oscars this year. Unless, no. you, know, you know, 1917, I think has the chance to win the most. I think it could mm-hmm. win anywhere between four to six. But, uh, but I don't know that. I, there aren't many categories here where I'm comfortable yet. I know. So it's going to be fun. The, the, the real, the, the real um, shame in all of this is. Going back to something you said a few minutes ago, which is after this is all played out and we know the winner's list, it seems so obvious. That's what kills you. It's like the Roma thing. Why did we fall for it last year? Um, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, come on. And you get so mad at yourself for not uh, having seen it. But it's very different on this side of the award ceremony. You know, I think that if uh, you have you guys have the advantage, or, or at least the people in L.A., have the advantage of seeing some of these movies it's you know in theaters the first time through you know and you get the audience pure audience reaction i i remember a year 1982 i think was chariots of fire one best picture yeah and it was again reds and raiders of the lost ark and 
uh, God, what else? There was all, oh, Gone Golden Pond. So there were all these really good movies, and I, you know, that we nobody was picking Chariots of Fire, but I saw Chariots of Fire at the Bruin in Westwood uh, with an Oscar audience, with an I'm sorry, an Academy audience. And I walked out of there and said, this is going to win Best Picture. Yeah. The, the way the people reacted to the movie on an emotional level. So mm-hmm. here we come back to this, you know, we can handicap these things intellectually all day long, and but people vote their heart. And uh, so that's what you're trying to assess here is what's the emotional impact. So we all missed it last year with Roma. And Green Book, for all the trashing that people did of it, the critics, um, if you saw it with an audience... You saw that it played. You know, movie yeah. people loved it. And it, you know, you can pick what, uh, about the racial arguments about it and everything else, but it, you know, people of good heart and good intentions watched that movie unaware that there was anything to, the backlash coming and uh, just enjoyed the hell out of it. So it wasn't a surprise in that sense. So, so what, what that movie is this year? I don't know. It's not an Irishman. And uh, it could be Parasite, but. Shall see. Yeah. Okay, Jack. Well, I'm counting on you to lead the way so I can steal all of your predictions the night before. <laughs> I'll at least hold off till then, so my thievery is not that blatant. But uh, seems, we, we look yeah. to you for guidance here. Uh, it seems to me that everybody should copy Joyce Ying. She seems to have <laughs> the inside track. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joyce and, and Tarek Khan, those two, uh, just keep crushing the rest of us at these award shows. And um, yeah. Where they know this stuff. Okay. All right, well, thank you, Jack. Thank you. Take care. Okay. You too. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.